Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Once again, a pleasure to be able to share an empowering hour, and I can promise you there's going to be a lot of insights and information you did not know you'll hear exclusively on today's program, things that could change the quality of your life, even save your life. But we begin with this study from Loyola University in Chicago, and it's about vitamin D, is in David, vitamin D2, and how it helps women who have pain with type 2 diabetes and depression. Now, we know that vitamin D decreases pain, yes, and they gave 50,000 units a day for six months on depression in women with type 2 diabetes. It significantly improved uh, their pain. 61% of patients reported shooting and burning pain in their legs and feet, which is neuropathic pain, gone, and 74% reported numbness and tingling in their hands and fingers and legs, which is sensory pain, also improved. Researchers found a significant decrease in neuropathic and sensory pain at three and six months following vitamin D supplementation. Our next study comes from two universities, the University of Illinois and Haifa University in Israel. And it's about materialism. Well, that's about consumption. And we certainly know a lot about over-consuming almost everything. And they're saying that materialism makes bad events even worse. In addition to its already well-documented negative direct effect on a person's well-being, materialism also wills an indirect negative effect by making bad events even worse, according to a paper co-written by University of Illinois experts on consumption values. And what do I mean by this? It means that they say not only is materialism antithetical to individual welfare, it also has a secondary effect of amplifying traumatic events, everything ranging from terrorism to car accidents to life-threatening illnesses, uh, to make them seem that much worse. Here's what they say. If you're a materialistic individual, most people are, and life suddenly takes a wrong turn, you're going to have a tougher time recovering from that setback that someone who is less material would have. The research is novel in that an event that's unrelated to materialism will have a stronger effect or impact on someone because of their materialistic values. In other words, overconsumption, materialism, just buying stuff, whatever it is, has a multiplier effect. It's a finding that I think is especially interesting given our consumer-driven economy. After all, ask yourself, how many times have you bought things you really didn't need? You wanted them, but you didn't need them. And how many times, that once you had something, you found out, well, you didn't use it? How many of those gadgets you see advertised all the time do we really use? And yet, when we're watching it, they're compelling. You know, they make it seem like, well, I better have that. Well, drawers and closets and garages and attics and basements are filled with stuff that we thought we would use, and we don't. And then we clutter, and we just don't like to throw stuff away. Well, I'll, I'll wear that outfit or dress or suit or pants or jacket sometime, and yet we almost never do. We have our favorites, and our favorite foods, our favorite clothes, our favorite television programs or internet connections, we keep going back to on a regular basis. We have 
all the others available, but do we really use them? Just look at your uh, subscriptions for all these Netflix programs. How many of those can you have? How many are you going to watch? You know, there are hundreds and hundreds, and yet we tend to watch only a few at a time. So we just, we're over-consuming, and unfortunately for the average person, that means we're creating debt that we're not going to be able to pay. And now what this is saying is, if something else is going wrong in our life, some traumatic stress, some it's all going to impact us because we're compulsively consuming and impulsively buying, and that is not good. And they don't tell you why, but I could give a good, uh, good insight to this because a lot of what we fill our lives with when there's a void, when we don't have a good relationship, or we're not working at a job we ideally like, or we're not working at all, or one day we wake up and we're retired. And the regular ritual of getting dressed and going to our work and communicating with the people there as we normally would, that's gone. Well, what's going to replace it? Now, if you're at one of these big resorts, and down here in Florida there are thousands of them, where they they have pretty good programs. You know, they have tennis like in the town that I live in and have for 27 years here. Uh, and I'm out in the boondocks. I'm out in the country, though it's filling up also. Uh, if you go downtown, which is only 20 minutes from here or less, you'll have a whole lot of houses, blocks and blocks and blocks, thousands of people living there who just want to go to the ocean. Yeah, every day you'll see them out in the ocean. They take their lawn chairs and umbrellas, go out there and they read and enjoy the beautiful Gulf of Mexico. But others, they want to go out on boats. So about a mile away, they live on a bay, and all these condominiums are there for them. And then you have people who don't want to go in the ocean, don't care about uh, you know, going on a boat. They want tennis. They want, they want a restaurant they can go to in a community. And now you have these very high-end restaurants. You have shopping malls. You have everything you'd ever want, spas in a gated community. They don't have to go out. They can spend every day finding things to do there. But what if you're not one of those people? What if you're not a gated community person? What if you're just a person living in the same place up in the Bronx or Brooklyn or Manhattan and you're a retired professor? And I, this is a true story. And I'm seeing this person almost every day come into the health food store. They used to come in maybe once a week, once every two weeks. And the uh, store was at 89th and Broadway, and they lived up the street in one of the apartments owned by Columbia University. But they had retired. And so I went over one day, and I said, I see you in here every day. And yeah, I had nothing else to do. You know, a lot of my friends are still teaching, don't have time to do anything. And others have moved. They no longer live here. They've gone to other places. And uh, so I just want to fill my day with something. And there's only so many books you can read. There's only so many lectures you can go to at the Met or over at the Museum of Natural History. It's lonely, this person said. I'm not, you know, my husband died 10 years ago, and I don't want to go through that whole process again. I'm, you know, too old to be doing that. And so, believe it or not, I just walk down the street here and come in because it's a wonderful environment and always friendly. And I know the people here. So I'll have a juice and you know, maybe I'll get something and maybe not. But you don't think about this. What do you do to fill the voids in life when you're really busy? And now I'm 
facing that. Okay, all right. Now that goes on tens of millions of times every day in the United States where people are trying to do something where at one time they knew what their life was and now they don't. And so they're living in the moment, but with no core to their moment. And so I think that's something we're going to focus on. In fact, I'm going to be doing a webinar on that in the near future. What to do when you're transitioning from one part of life into another. So you don't go through the trauma of loneliness, depression, a sense of apathy, a sense of worthlessness. One of my friends said, I'm at a point in my life where I don't know what the hell to believe in, Gary. I don't feel anything anymore. I don't feel passion. I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel anything. And, you know, I just, I'm like a robot during the day. And then I just wait till the day to end and the next day to begin. Let's address this in depth from a lot of different perspectives. Good solutions, because there are good solutions. I'll get into the 1,500 intentional communities, and that'll probably double because of everything that's happening in the big cities where they're deteriorating. And that's something else. What if you have nothing to do and you're no longer connected to your work or friends or family and you're in a dangerous place or it could be dangerous and you're just afraid to go for a run in the park because even in the park now, people are getting shot, robbed, mugged. So everything is changing right now. And we'll come up with some positive solutions. But in any case, let's stop over-consuming. And finally, from the University of California, Davis, could green vegetables boost efficacy of the omega-3 fatty acids? Yes. Pairing omega-3 fatty acids with a diet rich in green vegetables can boost the levels in your red blood cells. And that's important. That's new data. And uh, scientists from the University of California at Davis and the USDA's Agriculture Research Service reported that consuming at least one-third of a cup, and that's a little bit, of uh, dark green vegetables every day in combination with your omega-3 fatty acids could help African Americans obtain the omega-3 index of about 8%. And that's an ideal for optimal health. So... Something good, something you know we didn't know, now we do. So we can be a healthier person and live a longer life. And that's the latest on health and healing. And uh, we're going to take a quick break because I've got a lot of information to pack into our regular program. Back in a moment. Please stay with us. To talk about COVID without looking at our healthcare system. And our healthcare system is a hoax. And so my advice to you, don't get sick. Don't go to the hospital because they're going to kill you. What you got to do, you got to eat right, sleep right, get sunshine, relax, and, and take care of your lifestyle because the medical system will kill you. So, basically this graph shows on the uh, y-axis life expectancy, on the x-axis it's uh, uh, per capita healthcare expenditure. 
So us in America are proud to say we spend more on healthcare than any other country in the entire world, in the Western world, yet look, look at our life expectancy. It's significantly less. We have a big problem. And what you may not know is the life expectancy of Americans has gone down in the last three years, by three years. And how did that happen? Well, according to the White House, it's global warming. <laughs> the only explanation they have. And so the other thing which is terrifying the U.S. makes up 5% of the world's population, yet we consume 55% of the prescription medication. This tells you how sick Americans are, that 55% of the world's consumption of medication is in this country. We are sick people. And so what do you think is the most commonly prescribed medication? Atorvastatin. There's something called the great cholesterol myth. Why lowering your cholesterol won't prevent heart disease. It's called a myth. It's a hoax. What, is, what do statins do? They increase your risk of diabetes. They increase your risk of Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Yet they are the most commonly prescribed drugs in this country. And how do you like this study? Survival of elderly patients stratified by cholesterol levels. Those patients with the highest cholesterol levels had the best survival. The British Medical Journal, okay, here we're talking about a reputable, a so-called a reputable journal. Lack of an association or an inverse association between low-density lipoprotein cholesterol and mortality in the elderly. A systematic review. This is one of the biggest hoax in medicine. But you know you can say the same thing to diabetes. The use of diabetes medicine is a hoax. Alzheimer's medicine is a hoax. Hi everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Nice to have you with us today. Well, that was a different type of introduction to the program. You'd normally hear the latest in health and healing. And in fact, I recorded it just a few moments ago. And that is now on our website. If you go to prn.live, scroll down to archive, scroll down to Gary and all in the show notes and you'll be able to watch it. We're video streaming through Zoom. Is Dr. Paul Merrick correct? Should we be that concerned? Was he simply hyperbolizing? Was he angry about something? Because what orthodox medicine has done to him. We will explore that on today's program. Today's program is so important. You'll be hearing information you did not know. You'll have exclusive looks at things that will shock you. The whole program is about health care, or rather disease maintenance. And whether or not we're succeeding and failing, how much money is being made? Over $4.2 trillion this year. More than defense, 
more than housing, more than education, and yet what do we have to show for it? Emergency medicine, we have a lot to show for it. I, right up front, I'm telling you that there's no country in the world that I'd rather be in if there's a medical emergency than the United States. We do really well with it. We save lives. I commend that. That only represents about 10%, maybe 12% in some years of all medical care. 88 to 90% of all medicine fails miserably and actually kills people or injures them. In fact, I'm willing to say, and I have the documentation scholarship to back it up, that American medicine is the number one cause of injury and the number one or two cause of death every year in the United States. And yet nothing changes. Nothing. Isn't it time that we took an honest look at this? Can we even be honest? Well, according to those in power, you be honest, you're in trouble. You'll see something later in the program you will not believe. You have not seen it or heard it. And it shows you that all the, everything you were told about COVID is a lie. But then what happens when someone tells you the truth? Like Dr. Merrick, he and another group of physicians who did not know each other, they're all orthodox, ultra-orthodox, not just ultra-orthodox. They're, they're respected professors of medicine. They're MDs and PhDs. And they use orthodox medicine. They're pro-vaccine. And yet at a certain point, they saw something is wrong here. Why aren't we treating our patients immediately? They have conditions. We know how to treat lung infections. We know how to treat viral infections. We know how to treat bacterial infections. We know how to help people. So let's use those tools. And they were told, no, back off, stand down. You'll do nothing because the Napoleon of medicine kind of looks like him too. Anthony Fauci says, don't do anything until they're so blue, you have to take them from oxygen deprivation. They have to take them to the emergency room. Then we'll intubate them and give them remdesivir. Is that a good drug? If I say it's a good drug, use it. But it's not a good drug. In Africa, with the Ebola virus, it had a 52% death rate in humans. We'd never use a drug like that. Yeah, that's the drug we used. How many people died in the hospital from remdesivir? from kidney failure, and the kidneys fail because remdesivir, and then the water excess in the lungs leads to bacterial infection, and then they die. All this we know now, but Dr. Merrick was one of maybe 50 doctors in all the country using ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin C, zinc, vitamin A, vitamin D3, zithromycin, in order to save lives, and they did. They saved a lot of lives, but they were saving lives around the world as well. And now they've come together in coalitions, thousands upon thousands of them. And yet you'll never hear them interviewed in the mainstream media. You won't hear them in front of Congress unless it's a private uh, session like uh, Senator Johnson did. But those were not official hearings. Yeah, we don't want to know the truth here. We do. You and I want to know the truth. But this is not about COVID today, except for one clip that'll be later. This is about what is going on with our entire medical industrial complex. When a friend of mine goes into a hospital emergency room because he has an upset stomach all day, and they take a look at him in the waiting room, and they give him an ice pack to put on his stomach, and they give him an IV drip, which costs about a dollar, he's there and he leaves. No treatment. Nothing. And then they send him a bill for $10,000 
You think, how is that possible? Do you know who owns the hospitals? Do you know who owns your your doctor, your private doctor's medical practice? Do you think your private doctor is still private? Most of them are not. We have 900,000 more or less doctors. So we're going to take you behind the scenes today. We're going to begin with a clip from Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's interviewing a person talking about some things that I didn't even know about. And I thought it was up on everything involving insurance companies. This is scandalous. This should not be allowed. And this is why your co-pays are so high. This is why you're paying so much for different medical treatments. This is why you're given medical treatments that do not match your conditions. You're not getting the best therapies. No. And nowhere in medicine are you getting alternative therapies. Those have been denied completely. Why? There's so much showing they work. Let's go to Joe Rogan and his clip. And I thank Joe Rogan for this really good interview. It's enlightening. This you have not heard about before. Now to the clip. Huberman gets into all that, academia. There's tons of studies on this. So and and all I think the main reason it's not adopted more often is they're just in the insurance model, right? They, they use the tool that's in their tool belt. And if that's not a tool in my tool belt, then I'm not going to talk about it and I don't have time to do it. And, uh, and that's where I see large language models and an evolving market allowing patients to get that education on their own. They don't have to wait to talk to a doctor, right? I will have a team of academics right there at your fingertips, proactively analyzing everything about you. And I would tell you, Another, I talked about predictive, proactive, personalized, all that. Another one would be private, private. You do not want this data in the hands of insurance companies. Listen to what Gary Brecco was telling you. He worked for the big insurance companies. He worked to assess your all-cause mortality risk and the risk profile to the insurance company, right? And so if you... If let's just say in a in a miracle world, all of a sudden, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield rolls out a large language model to streamline your experience and they want to tie into your wearables. The last person you want digging through your underwear drawer is the insurance company because they're going to use it to limit your care, to limit what they cover and to kick you off a plan. Right. They're going to know when the chronic disease is coming and they're going to charge you when they know they can monetize you. And then as soon as you reach a state where they can't, and that's the dangerous side of these large language models, and that's the dangerous side of the tool. And so a, a sword in the right hands is, you know, one thing, and a sword in the wrong hands is a whole other thing. Jesus. I wonder if they are trying to do that. I wonder if these insurance companies are oh, trying to Oh, they're for sure going to roll that out. Yeah, yeah, if they're not already. And that's the problem. Like when you have an insurance-based model, and that's where I would tell you, maintain the car outside of the system, right? And the insurance-based large language models are going to ensure that you stay on these treatments because that's where they're profitable. Correct. So there's the insurance company, and then we, we broke this down last time. Then there's the pharmacy benefit manager. Pharmacy benefit managers are a middleman between the insurance companies and Big Pharma. Okay, and they were put in place to negotiate the price of pharmaceutical drugs for the average American because so many drugs were coming into the marketplace. The government couldn't get to and decipher what drugs make sense, what drugs don't make sense, what should we cover, what should we not cover. So they allowed pharmacy benefit managers to do that. Within a decade, 
the big insurance companies went out and acquired pharmacy benefit managers. Within a decade from that date, the pharmacy benefit managers began to negotiate rebates to themselves, not discounts to the patient. Okay, so... Yeah, that's that's where I was trying to go with this. When I talked about 244 million in fraud um, in the state of Ohio, how? Where's the fraud? And and the answer is the margins are made in the mystery. The more confusing the insurance companies can make it, and the more convoluted they can make it, the more profits they can make. They have only a handful of levers they can pull to make money. So let's go over that. They can ro- raise your copay. They can raise your deductible. They can raise your out-of-pocket expense. That's one lever. They can drive down the price of a drug that they buy at a wholesale price point. They can mark up the coverage of your care for your employer. Okay? And then they tier price. All The pharmacy benefit manager gives a tier pricing. That tier pricing is not based on what drug is best for you. It is based on what drug is best for their financials. And so they prioritize drugs in a tier pricing under the misnomer to the American people that a tier one drug is the best drug and a tier four drug is not as good, right? But the truth is a tier four drug is not as profitable because there's a lesser rebate. And so, so let's say, let's go back to the insulin example. The average price of this insulin is $381 is what the Senate uh, Finance Committee found. $381 on, I can't remember if it's Santa Fe, I think, was their, uh, was their price. Out of that, the pharmaceutical company got less than $40. So that remaining 200 something dollars stayed at the pharmacy benefit manager. Okay, pharmacy benefit managers are making billions upon billions of dollars a year. They decide what gets covered, what goes on your insurance plan, what your copay is, what your deductible is, and they can move any lever at any time. So examples, let's go back to GLP-1s, right? The, uh, the weight loss diabetes medications. Those are showing up on insurance plans as tier four with a really high price tag. Well, you look at that and you go, man, wouldn't insurance companies want to get rid of that because it's costing them a lot? No, because they're showing that the price of a GLP-1 is $1,300. They never paid $1,300. They paid a fraction of that. But then they go to the patient and they say, hey, this is a tier four drug. You have a 50% copay on this drug, $500. Okay, so they made their money there. They made their money off the rebate from Big Pharma. Then so they the come patient to- patient pays more than they actually are paying for the drug. Correct. That is what happens on most drugs. And, and that is why I built a compounding pharmacy. Yeah. And that's, but even if they don't, let's say it's a drug that you think is covered. Okay, maybe, they, maybe the, the pharmacy benefit manager got it wrong. A drug entered the market. They didn't know it was going to be a blockbuster. They mis, mis, miscalculated how this was going to play out. They have lever after lever they can pull. Okay, high margin drugs, they've gone out and bought pharmacies. So they own mail order pharmacies and they, so what they'll do, like when I owned a pharmacy, Blue Cross Blue Shield, they literally said they owed me over a million dollars for one month of shipping out drugs. I'd already shipped all the drugs to their patient. I'd already done everything. They come in and say, yeah, we're not going to pay you. We don't think you collected the copays or deductibles. Okay. uh, We did. Here's all the records. I can show you how soon can you get an auditor out? We want to cooperate. Like we're a small company. We need this money. Oh, it's three months before we can get to you. 
Okay. And then they begin to make it so hard for you to survive in their insurance model. And then you'll be sitting there and a couple months later, knock on the door. Hey man, heard it's tough out there for these small pharmacies. You know, we're looking to acquire pharmacies just like you, right? They've gobbled up the lifeblood of America. They've put all these small pharmacies out of business. They now own most of these big juggernaut pharmacies. So even if CVS says, we only made $10 off that prescription, what did the pharmacy benefit manager make? Okay, or what is the pharmacy, your mail order pharmacy making? Lever after lever after lever. Then the last part of it is, my buddy who has MS, he, his, his MS treatment, I think is $14,000 a month. We just met. I have 260-something employees across both organizations. We met with the insurance company. They're raising our rates because they claim they paid $14,000 a month for his drug, right? He had a huge out-of-pocket burden on that drug, but was happy because he thought, well, hey, man, it was going to be 14 and I only had to pay X. And then they never paid the 14 because they negotiated a rebate on the back end. And then they turn around and they mark up my insurance plan for all my employees every year, year after year. It is a profit-driven system, not a patient outcome-driven system. And so that's, that's all I'm trying to hammer home with patients. When you say, why don't you take insurance? Because insurance is the crux of the problem. You cannot operate in that ecosystem and provide quality care. You can't. Everything's controlled. Everything's dictated. It's, it's, it's terrible. And most people have no understanding or awareness of this. So there's no real push to fix this system. There's no real push to regulate and analyze all of these problems and what's the downstream effect of these problems. Yeah, and I even hear clinicians talk. A lot of clinicians don't know. Like a lot of clinicians don't even know about pharmacy benefit managers. The, the only reason I know is because I've been in every aspect of this business and I've and then I would get into it and I go, oh, oh, God, that's why that was happening. OK, now I get it. Now I get the magic trick. I understand what you're doing here, how you're moving and shifting profits and monetizing disease states. So think about this. If I can monetize your diabetes, why would I cure or prevent your diabetes, right? And, and I know if I'm a bigwig at United or Cigna that you're going to switch jobs in three years. And by the time that diabetes leads to metabolic disease and a cascade effect that puts you in a hospital that costs me more money, you're somebody else's problem. Or if I can stall it long enough, you're the federal government's problem. And so every aspect of healthcare is focused on that quarter, on that day, on, on that time frame. You know, there's a solution to this, right? If you want to know what that solution is, go to GaryAndAll.com, go down to articles and look at the article on universal health care, how if we implemented it, we could save $1.3 to $1.7 trillion a year. Therefore, it would not cost us trillions of dollars as they claim. But Richard Gale and I wrote the article, did the research, took us over six months, and we should have universal health care. So why won't the liberal Democrats or the conservative Republicans, why won't they vote on this if they care about their constituents' health and how many people go bankrupt or how many people are uninsured altogether? The Clintons didn't want this. The Obama didn't want this. No, they lied to you, telling you that their insurance 
programs were really the best. No, they weren't. They were terrible. You know, all the people that came to give them advice came from the insurance company, the hospital company, and the pharmaceutical companies, not people who knew what to do. So read the article. It's a solution that would help everyone. Nobody would be denied medical care, and you would get the best complementary care as well as the best orthodox care. Now, this clip is our main clip of the day. We were told all during AIDS that there is no treatment. It's a death sentence. That once you're infected, once you're HIV positive, no matter what else is going on in your life, you will die. And originally we were told you'd die rather quickly. Was this true for everyone? No, it was not. Was there any science proving everyone was equally susceptible to be infecting? No. Anthony Fauci said that, you know, you've got to be careful because uh, if you're an adult and you have the virus, you can infect your child. Not true. We had the clip proving that. Did they ever have the real science? There was no real science. It was all lies. And I was challenging it. Not just challenging it by showing what was corrupt within the HIV equals AIDS equals death hypothesis, but also showing you with the press conference that everything that Gallo was telling you in the article that was written about HIV was uh, changed from what uh, the one of the heads of the National Cancer Institute's uh, divisions had written. More on that later. But we went it a different way. I collected 22 medical professionals, board certified in their fields, and I created the protocols that would be used and implemented by these doctors. And every single one of 2,000 HIV-positive but full-blown AIDS patients recovered. But some went on an extensive protocol, very difficult protocol, because they had to be there six days a week for four hours a day. That's 24 hours a week under treatment. Every single one reversed their AIDS status. Every single one got healthy. Every one of them had their T cells come back to normal, all fully documented. Blood tests from Roach Labs, evaluation of all their status every three months in depth. And I had, a, if you remember at the time, I said, I have an open-door policy. Come to the Tri-State Healing Center, 72nd and Broadway. If you're a physician, if you're a scientist, if you're a journalist, and see the results we're getting. It took 16 months before we could claim the first cure. But we did. And then word got out within the African-American community. Tony Brown and Bill Tatum and Bill McCrary and uh, Earl Caldwell and then celebrities like uh, oh, uh, Dick Gregory, Stokely Carmichael, uh, Isaac Hayes, uh, Cicely Tyson, who I work with. Dozens of famous African-Americans came there because probably 70% of the AIDS patients were African-American or Latino. And they got better. So then to prove that this would work, I gave the protocol to a group of really orthodox uh, physicians at the Institute of Applied Biology that I had nothing to do with the selection of the patients. They were, they were failing with their AIDS patients. They were dying like flies. They were trying everything, and nothing was working. So there was the head of science there said, Gary, I heard that you're getting good results. Would you try to help these people? I said, sure. I gave him a protocol, and I stayed away from that. Four years later, all 10 of the AIDS patients that were in that protocol reversed their AIDS completely, all cured. And you, you'll hear them say it, these were cured. 
So it's not me saying that I was curing AIDS. Look at Tony Brown. Eight times I was on Tony Brown with different patients that were cured. Eight at the uh, at 72nd Street Tri-State Healing Center and 10 at the Institute of Applied Biology. 18 people, not one, was not cured. So we had a cure. Now that should have, at the very least, it should have drawn criticism. We'll prove that you have a cure. You know, by our standards, show us. Show us the blood workup. Show us the patients. Show us the medical records. Let us interview the doctors and nurses, nurse practitioners who worked on this. Fine. We have it all. And not a single person came to find out what we were doing. That we let them know. Press conference, they didn't come. Here's a clip to prove everything I'm saying is correct. So you know that what I was able to do, I didn't brag about it, but it's a fact. I was the first person in the world to cure AIDS. All the people I work with in the intensive care, which was four hours a day, six days a week, all of them were cured. And I just met one recently on Broadway, still alive. Here's a story you have not seen that medicine refuses to acknowledge, but it's real. And who didn't allow this to come out? Think of the millions of people who we could have saved from dying or becoming sick, and how many die because of their treatment, AZT and DDI and DDC and proteus inhibitors. And yet they're the ones who are given all the credit and those of us who actually achieve something are damned and condemned. That's the system we live in. That's how corrupt science is. That's how corrupt medical science is. That's how corrupt federal agencies are, and Anthony Fauci in particular. Now to the clip. But my most important work as a scientist was starting in 1974 when I got a call from Dr. Stephen Kayes, a highly respected gay physician in New York, one of, one of the many gay physicians in New York. But he called me and he says, Gary, I listen to your radio show, and I've got about 800 patients, and they've got conditions I've never seen before. Can you work with them? And I did, over a period of 10 years, 1974 to 84, I worked with about 800. And the vast majority were able to get back to normal health. It was in their lifestyle. But we don't want to believe that something as simple as lifestyle choices, diet, exercise, and stress management can make a difference. We just, we discard it. And it, it turned these people around. So when AIDS came, I'd already been working with people who had AIDS-like symptoms and reversing them. So at the Tri-State Healing Center, which I, I opened first on uh, near the Riverside Drive and 84th Street in Brownstone that I had. Uh, and two floors were dedicated to the Tri-State Healing Center. And we were treating people, oh my goodness, from eight in the morning until eight at night, we were open. And we must have given vitamin drips and intravenous ozone probably to about 100 per day. And you'd see amazing results. But then we got so busy, I rented a big space on 72nd and Broadway. And I had the Tri-State Healing Center for about 15 years. We were flooded with people with HIV and AIDS conditions, full-blown AIDS. These were not people who were just HIV positive, but symptomatic and otherwise healthy. No, these were sick people. We never had one die, not one. 
And so I created all the protocols and I had 22 medical staff, board certified physicians and holistic dentists and holistic nurse, nurse practitioners and uh, acupuncturists, chiropractors, psychologists and the Dr. Albert Ellis Center like Dr. Dolan Mullins and Dr. Lane Kahn. We, it was every kind of complementary approach to a patient and their conditions. And so of the 1,200 people then in 1984, 85, 86, all of them were able to regain their health. But then I realized that I have to do additional compensation of a higher potency. And so I asked, who would like to volunteer? How would you like to come every day for six days a week? The good news is I've never charged a penny to any person with AIDS in my life. In fact, I've counseled tens of thousands of people. I've never charged a single person in my entire career. We had a total of 18 volunteers. I gave the Institute of Biology, their mainstream orthodox medical doctor and nurse, 10 cases. And over the next four years, every one of those 10 cases were completely reverted. When I mean reverted, total health restored, no HIV found in their body. They went from HIV positive to negative. We had all the blood chemistries, used Roche Lab. We had it on a regular basis. Uh, we were working with uh, Liberty Labs and we made sure that we knew everything in their body was going on. Tri-State Healing Center, in over 16 months, we reversed eight out of eight. Well, then word got around, mainly in the African-American community. Stokely Carmichael, who was major uh, civil rights activist, he came by. Dick Gregory, who is a personal friend of mine, he came by. Isaac Hayes. And then Bill Tatum, the publisher of the largest African-American newspaper, the Amsterdam News, came by. And we had an open-door policy. You could come in, you could speak with the people. If they gave permission, you could see their records. And we... Then Tony Brown of PBS, Tony Brown Show, syndicated on over 400 stations, I believe. He invited me on, but it took months because he had to have a person named Kennedy come up and inspect all the records and go through it. And when they were 100% satisfied that there was no quackery or fraud, that it was legitimate, then I was invited on. I was invited on eight times with those eight people. Who says he can now offer evidence that people diagnosed with, quote, AIDS, who have turned to a non-toxic lifestyle also return to good health. I'm Tony Brown. In a moment, good news about AIDS and HIV. This man has been helped. I brought two other people on your show three years ago. They're both alive and well and continue to remain seroconverted. Now let's talk about this man. Uh, this man, you say, uh, is the benefactor of your protocol. Yes. Right after I started doing this protocol, my lymph nodes went down. Now they're completely normal. They're down, I don't feel anything. I had them like for years. How long have they been down? Uh, four years. Four years? Four years, yeah. And how long did it take after you started the, the program with Dr. Noel before they went down? It took me about a good six to eight months. Mm -hmm. they started, I started like detoxifying my, my, my system and uh, I just, uh, improved, my health improved. I started, I gained weight, for one. 
and uh, I feel great right now. Now, these are medical records you brought with you today. That's right. You have 12 copies of my medical records there. What do these medical records Well, one prove? is a PCR test. PCR test indicates the viral low level, uh, HIV viral low level. Uh, it's negative. What and does that mean? That means that there is no HIV virus in my system. It's out. They can't, re they can't detect it in a blood test. There are many tests that he's taken. It's not just one test. I ask individuals to test uh, when they're at this level almost every two to three months uh, for at least a year. And the reason I do this is because other physicians and public health officials should know that there's good science in the alternative perspective. And it may not be a therapy that they're familiar with because they're just not trained in it. But if the results are positive and you can document them and you have good medical blood workups, I mean the blood workups are done at all the standard labs and uh, the physicians are all board certified physicians who are actually overseeing and administering the actual therapy, then either they say yes or no. Bill McCreary, again African American, multi Emmy award winning producer on Channel 5 on the subject of AIDS, we talk with Steve Atkins, a former HIV-positive patient who, according to health department records, has converted to negative. He was introduced to us by nutritionist journalist uh, Gary Null, who was instrumental in Atkins' AIDS treatment. And once again this morning, we're joined by Mr. Null and a HIV-positive couple. Now, what's the prognosis for both of you today? Well, uh, I just want to say that I started out, you know, the first thing they tell you to do is to have your your cell count taken, and I, I went from a 600, which is below normal, to a 1,000, which is a, a normal cell count for anyone who is even not HIV. We just follow a very, very healthy diet, and uh, I, I can honestly say I, I feel in, in well health. Um, and my husband went from a, uh, uh, ha having like no T cells to, uh, to a very positive test now that I guess Gary will uh, explain to you that uh, it's not active at all. Yes, I think we'll turn to... Uh, the most Sonoma. important yes, thing here is this. Work it here. This is a test from Roche Biomedical Laboratories, which is Division of Hoffman Roche. This, is, an, this is an official blood chemistry test. This shows that, and here's what's important, and this is why we're not talking about a test tube and stopping a virus in a test tube. This, these are live human beings. Their physician, using a holistic protocol, and this is a regular orthodox doctor, in a year, they, they, this person went from HIV positive active virus to P24 antigen test negative, mm -hmm. HIV antibody positive. That means the HIV to have no antigen 24 means you have no active HIV active in the body. All you have is the antibody. Now. That means this person has made substantial improvement. When we first began with these AIDS patients in this comprehensive program, we would have weekly meetings with the entire group headed by Dr. Null, and we reviewed all the cases. Uh, we did regular blood workups on the patients, monitoring their T cell counts, their CD counts, as well as their uh, viral load from uh, the HIV virus. We saw all the viral loads come down, the T cell counts returned to normal, 
And eventually, we had our first breakthrough after 16 months with our first zero conversion from HIV positive to HIV negative. And following that time, we had seven more patients uh, who zero converted. And none of these patients were well when they first came in, so we just we did it the easy way. Uh, they were all very sick with various symptoms, AIDS-related symptoms. Every one of these eight patients remarkably reversed their HIV-positive diagnosis to HIV-negative. In other words, they zero converted at the beginning of the treatment. These patients gave the center permission to share the results of their blood tests, their viral load analysis, and disease status with outside physicians and journalists. So Gary took me back in his office. He showed me, I think it was five or six medical records. And it was, it was, a, it was a, not just one medical record, but for each client, each patient, he had, after every three months or so, another uh, lab workup done. And so you could see the progression. And these people, according to the records, had seroconverted. With Gary, what he did was uh, change the person's diet completely, which was what I did. We, uh, st they stopped eating as much as uh, the garbage that they were eating, the sugars and a lot of other things. Anything that would lower their immune system, we put them on green juicing, we put them on supplements, and they, they did remarkably well for those who did, who followed. Not everybody would follow. Let's face it, no, not everybody is going to follow a protocol. But there are those people who did follow the protocol, and there were a few of them that really were fantastic. They were put on many, many different things, and there are a few people that serum converted. We set up a whole program at the Institute of Applied Biology where we apply Dr. Garinol's approach of treatment. After four years of treating those patients with repeated blood analysis and everything else, we saw that 10 of those patients that he was working with, they were no more seropositive. They were completely in remission, and then we continued testing them, and they were completely cured. That was around the same time when we were inundated with AIDS cases and were largely unsuccessful in treating them. One physician asked if there was anything you could do and you offered to try. We established IV drip rooms and purchased intravenous vitamin C and other nutrients and the staff implemented your AIDS protocol. Over the next two years, about 10 people with advanced AIDS reversed their HIV status and turned seronegative. All the infections disappeared and they were HIV and AIDS free. I briefly met one of those patients recently and she was still healthy today. I remember when I met with the director and the Institute board members one evening to request that these successes be made more public. They decided to remain silent because it might jeopardize funding. 
This work was not based on patentable drugs and the advisory board said it would only draw negative attention because it was contrary to standard drug treatments. After the meeting ended, the director shrugged his shoulders and said it would not be the last time that someone accomplished something notable and it would remain relatively unknown to the world. Best regards always, Dr. Ilana Avram, senior scientist and research fellow. At that time, no one was uh, having such a fantastic results when was the, the worst epidemic of AIDS. As usually, the, the scientific community, mainstream scientific community, they were not agreeable with these natural approaches that we showed them. They never publish it in the, and they never apply it. The problem was that the fear of the big pharma, they were afraid of losing the financial support. That was the reason that they never come out with Dr. Garinol approach with natural non-toxic and so on. So one day I get a call from Bill Tatum and he said, it's time that African-American community in New York knows your work. Are you willing to do a lecture up at the Apollo Theater? I said, sure. Well, I didn't realize until I got up there that it was packed. There was a long line down the block and around the block. So I said, we'll have to, I told these people, come back tomorrow. It was free and come in. And Arthur Ashe was there, the tennis great. And all these other people were there, and they spoke before me talking about how, using my protocols, they had gotten great results. This went on for three days. We estimated about 1,600 people at a time, three times in a row. But then we looked around and no news media covered it. We held a press conference a year later where we had a hundred of the people who had major improvements using my protocols. Dr. Cathcart was there from Stanford University, a great inventor. And uh, he, had used, he had come for two weeks, and he was very diligent. He was there at eight in the morning sitting on the stoop, and he would be there at midnight when we locked up. And he'd talk with patients, and he took a protocols back to California. He never had an AIDS patient die after that from pneumocystis or, uh, or Kaposi sarcoma. He came in, watched what we were doing, started to use it on his patients, and started to see the reversal of Kaposi's sarcoma and all the lung infections and all the other AIDS-related problems. So we were able to take and train doctors over time in our methods of medicine uh, and protocols that we had collectively uh, put together, and they got the same results. This proves that it wasn't just us, but that anybody with this training could get the same results as well. Linus Pauling came by, and again, none of this made the media. So when our press conference came, and we had worked for a year on this, and we had an independent scientific review looking at all the results so they could validate this, not a single member of the media showed up, not a single member of the medical or AIDS community showed up. That pernicious. That is how corrupt the system was. Why is it that when we have live human bodies, not a Petri dish, who had full-blown AIDS, who were at death's door and medically documented, today are alive and well and completely normal, and no one covers the story? Let's look at some of the alternative therapies, such as 
oxygen therapy and vitamin therapy and uh, herbalism and uh, uh, some of what we're hearing today. Why are we afraid as a society when our people are dying not to examine new and alternative therapies? Finally, to fight the news blackout that seemed to have occurred, we decided to have an all-day event at one of the largest uh, churches over on the west side of Manhattan. We had over 2,000 people show up, and we invited and paid for dozens, several dozen scientists and doctors to come in, lecture and speak on how everything had worked, what they found, and once again, the news media blocked out this entire happening, this entire um, meeting from the news so that nobody would know that it had occurred and all the benefits that people had achieved. And I can understand why. There's no money to be made on it. You know, they were, they were selling AZT. Put time on your side, take ACT. No, 300,000 plus people died taking ACT and nobody apologized. We've seen that a lot in science. In fact, I directed the film Science for Hire just this past year. And now we're going to go to Australia. And this has not been broadcast in the United States. And it won't be. This is just a regular government employee. He is a statistician. And he is there to make sense of the statistics coming in in healthcare. But when he started looking, and he looked deeper, and he began to open doors that were closed, and he got the facts, because he had the data. He was a statistician. He and his team found that upwards of 22 to 24% of people taking the Pfizer vaccine for COVID died. And all this was kept secret not only kept secret, they recently arrested him. For what? Telling the truth. Yes. Let's go to the clip. So what I did with the data was um, look at the top 10 um, batches that were had a high death count, a high mortality rate, and I put them on a chart, um, which you can see up there. So it's got a, a batch ID. So what I did was our internal batch ID, I counted the number of vaccinated within that batch, and then I found out who was dead. Wow, let's have a look. And so we then look at the percentage of the ratio. So do we know if these are all Pfizer, the top 10? Yes, they are. And this is Pfizer's batch number one. We've had yeah. 711 from batch number one vaccinated. 152 of those died, which makes a 21% Percentage, yeah. death, death rate, mortality rate. rate. Mortality they are high. Now, what's our normal that we would it expect? 0.75. Because these batches are against all age groups as well. It's not one particular batch for one particular age group. It's across all ages. So, so all the vaccination centres, whoever rocked up on the day, um, whatever age you were, and it would average out all averaging. So there's not one particular batch that points to one particular age group. So looking as if batch number eight, second one, yeah. 221 jab, 38 dead, that's a 17% mortality rate. Yeah. Batch number three here, yeah. and we've got 48 out of 310, so that's a 15% yeah. 
And if we go right down the the uh, in the top ten, yeah. batch seventy one, eleven thousand vaccinated with batch number seventy one, four hundred and ninety eight dead, and that's a four percent. Now you say down the bottom on the screen. Could you just tell us what this is yeah. saying? We um... the chances of these batches not being a killer are one hundred billion. To one. Explain that as a statistician. Yeah. Well, if you look at the underlying um, mortality rate, and then you look at the ratio percentage here, the top one, the chances of that occurring naturally by chance is, is almost impossible. It cannot be due to chance. So, statistically, what we're saying is that there is no chance that this vaccine is not a killer. So with so 100 billion to, to one, yeah. are you saying you'd have to jab? You'd have to jab 100 billion people to get these statistics. Wow. And we've got 2.2 million on our system. 2.2 million kiwis. 2.2 million kiwis. And we would have had to have jabbed 100 billion of them to get these kind of results. So what does it mean when you actually expose the truth that something is not only not effective, but it's so deadly that it's killing people at over 20% of one batch, but they have all the batches were deadly. You should have had a 0 0.00 death rate. Instead, you have 22 to 24%, 17%, 12%. If the world knew that you had a 24% chance of dying after taking a vaccine, would they have taken it? I don't think any celebrity endorsement or Howard Stern condemnation or anything would have gotten people to do something that irresponsible. Would you get in on an airplane if you knew that 24% likelihood is going to crash and you're going to die? I don't think so. That's our system. It's as bad here in the United States. But the difference is that right now, Dr. Naomi Wolf along with 2,500 to 3,000 people are sifting through hundreds of thousands of documents from Pfizer and showing they knew from the very beginning how deadly it was. And yet, they lied and kept it from the public. Walensky at the CDC knew all these people should be brought before committees under oath and challenged on the evidence that now is there. And by the way, Dr. Paul Merrick is not just a regular physician and uh, uh, to be angry because he was one of the ones helping cure all of his patients who had COVID. And then now they had natural immunity. And he was an expert in this field. Just to give you a little background, Dr. Paul Merrick is the former distinguished professor of internal medicine and chair of the pulmonary and critical care medicine at Eastern Virginia Medical School. And uh, he holds uh, fellowships and from the Canadian Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons, the American College of Physicians, and the American Board of Phys Physician Nutrition Specialists. He's authored 400 papers in the peer-reviewed literature, 50 book chapters, and four books on critical care. And in 2017, the American College of Physicians, uh, he was awarded with the National Teacher of the Year event. And he's considered one of the most cited medical doctors on PubMed in the world. And yet they tried to destroy his career because 
he had the audacity to use something as a physician he knew would help his patients at the first signs of symptoms, where all the other physicians in America, they just held back. They did nothing. They were told, stand down, doctor, and they did. Wow. Bureaucrats who don't treat patients are telling them, don't use what you know could save a life. That is what we're up to. Now, to conclude, I'm going to say, go to GaryNull.com. Scroll down to articles. We're going to have featured today, Death by Medicine. Read it. I wrote a book on it. All right, Death by Medicine. We had MDs and PhDs working with me for five years. We only used Orthodox Medicine's own statistics and showed you how deadly medicine is. You'll hear none of this from anyone within medicine. Also, I did in a multi-award winning documentary, Death by Medicine. We're posting that too today. We're posting it on Rumble. We're posting it on, on my website, so you can watch that as well. That'll give you additional confirmation. And then we're also posting today Science for Hire to show you how corrupt science has become. And I'm not the one who's saying it. Some of the leading scientists in the world are talking about how corrupt the whole field of science is. And Fauci and his team, they control science. Remember he said, I'm science, criticize me, you're criticizing science. No, you're wrong, Fauci. We have to go from BAI. We're going to say goodbye, and we're continuing top of the hour on PRN.live. And again, this is the kind of program with the evidence in here that you want to share. Please, share it with other individuals. All right? Get it out there. And by the way, Wikipedia, they call me an age denier. Yeah, they have to, because... I'm the one that went up against them and is still here today. And I'm the one who cured AIDS. And they didn't. And they won't allow anything to be changed. That's purely political. But that's the country we live in. Back in a moment. And welcome back, everyone. If you have a comment or a question, give us a call. 888-874-4888. I'd like to hear from you. Um, and just to put this in perspective, what I was doing, I was writing national top publications challenging the myths around their protocols and their diagnosis and everything they were doing then under Fauci's command that were lies they did with COVID. So he had a test run to see how compliant the media and the scientific and medical community and the population would be, and it worked. They lied about everything. In any case, the reality is uh, that I cured AIDS a lot of people with AIDS, and but the media couldn't allow that discussion, yeah, that debate. They had to control it because of Big Pharma. They had to control all of it, and they did, and they succeeded, except for those 2,000 people who decided to come, and they're alive and well today. How many people who were diagnosed with AIDS and ARC and Kaposi sarcoma, how many of those people were alive after going through all of the different uh, Groups that put time on your side, take AC, they're all dead. Anyhow, that's the way we live. That's the way we believe, and that's part of the problem. That's why I did the commentary last week on we're addicted to our belief systems, our tribalisms, our impulses, and, and uh, wanting to be inclusive. That's why no doctors have stood up. What a bunch of cowards, just absolute cowards. But I'll do, Milton, do that on an upcoming program. Real good special coming at you. Oh, by the way. As of today, and you really got to go watch this, we have finished the first of 20 
lifetime achievement uh, videos. Go to GaryNoll.com, then you'll see a caption that says uh, lifetime achievement. Go to the one on scientist, because this is stuff you did not know about me. You didn't know all my discoveries, because I never discussed, never bragged about it, never made it public. And there's a lot, hundreds of discoveries and all the different major breakthroughs in science that did not exist before. They're all there. The photographs, the independent, and all of this is third-person validated. The letters, the acknowledgments, the uh, videos, they're all there. Okay, so go to GaryAndAll.com, go to Lifetime Achievements, and go to the one on, on because uh, it's the latest one that's complete, on scientific background. Now, I've got one good special to end the year with. This is a New York... Or a New Year joint health special. A lot of people have problems with their joints, and this is my contribution to it. Three products, immune stuff, glucosamine, and, uh, and then reversing arthritis and pain naturally, award-winning documentary. Now, what's in this that should make a difference? And by the way, you're getting it 50% off. Let's just take a look at the immune stuff, because this time of year, all the people listening, no matter where you're listening in America, should be focused upon building and helping your immune system stay healthier through diet, exercise, juicing, proper supplementation. But look at my contribution to this and see, would you benefit from this? Here's what I have in here. Astragalus, vitamin C, orange juice, L-lysine, acerola, amala, citrus bioflavonoids, turmeric, which means curcumin, green tea, olive leaf extract, echinacea, uh, also purpurea extract, mushroom blend. I've got all these mushrooms like organic mataki and organic reishi and organic um, uh, cordyceps and organic turkey tail and organic shiitake and lion's mane and, and I've got uh, zuleng. I've got them all in here. A plus, or even chaga I've got in here. Quercetin, uh, dehydrate extract, grapeseed extract, rutin, Bacillus subtilius, the great probiotic, zinc, piperine, and selenium. And it's delicious tasting, ginger lemon flavor. Now you show me anyone that has any product anywhere in the world that can compare with this. You can't, it doesn't exist. I've looked everywhere, unless you can find one. So this is the best thing I can do for my contribution to help your immune response. So that's that. And then, of course, you've got the glucosamine. Are you even aware I have this product? Vitamin C, magnesium aspartate, MSM, which is a methyl carrier, chondroitin sulfate at high doses, 750 milligrams, glucosamine sulfate, 750 milligrams, N-acetylglucosamine, 750 milligrams, sea cucumber, turmeric powder, boswellia, citrus bioflavonoids, turmeric, cayenne, at 40,000 heat units, um, oregano, uh, white willow bark, broccoli stem powder, garlic clove, rosemary leaf, ginger root, and that's a product to itself. So those two products alone, imagine what it's going to do for your body and your health, your joints. And finally, the real in-depth look at reversing pain and arthritis. A great group of speakers, the latest science, it's all there. I mean, Dr. Jill Barron, Dr. Peter uh, Bongino, uh, Dr. Calopy, Dr. James Dillard, Dr. Norman Marcus, 
and a lot of others. So how do you get this great special? So you can go into the new year doing something really good for yourself, really helpful, in addition to your lifestyle changes? Simply call a number, 877-627-5065. Again, 877-627-5065. And you can uh, get it ordered, or you can order it on uh, the website itself, or you can call Neil in the Vitamin Closet at 646 926-5430, or go in and visit him Monday to Saturday, noon to 8. That's it for today, and I'll be back on New Year's Day with an altogether new program. Have a nice day, everyone.